Here's a little line from David White to start off the new year. You are not a troubled guest on this earth. You are not an accident amidst other accidents. Welcome to Hints and Guesses. <laughs> guesses. I said that as if I was guessing. Welcome to Hints and Guesses. This is Kent Dobson. Thank you for joining me today, wherever you're listening from, wherever in the world you are listening from. You might hear some occasional noises from my puppy, who managed to find a Gatorade bottle while I'm trying to make this podcast. Um, Today's podcast, I'm entitling A Searching Spiritual Inventory. It's a phrase I've been using for a while that I'm sort of borrowing and changing a bit from the 12-step people. Um, the searching moral inventory, I'm just broadening it a bit, saying, what about a searching spiritual inventory? It is the time of year when a part of us, one part of us, wants to turn attention toward, what have I been doing the last year? How have I been living? And how would I like to proceed in 2020, (laughs) 2021? And I think this is pretty important. And so I want to offer my own uh, hints and guesses around this sort of impulse, this cultural and I think earth-oriented impulse, actually, to do some self-examination, a searching spiritual inventory. And another part of us really resists this. I mean, we don't mind the, how can I whip myself into shape and, you know, maybe I can go back to the gym and sort of... um, work on my physique and make a, an action plan and a, a resolution or something like that, um, which, you know, we know <laughs> they don't tend, tend to last very long, and I'm not even here to make a judgment as, as if that's sort of wrong or right. Um, but I'm saying, what, what about something deeper? The, what about a searching spiritual inventory? And almost the moment I use that phrase... I wonder how you might go about that. I'm going to offer some suggestions here in a minute, but how would you go about it if, as if you needed no guidance for such a thing, as if the soul, your own spirit, the mystery might whisper things into your ear, might start off by saying, you are not a troubled guest on this earth. You are not an accident amidst other accidents. You belong. And... Um, and here's the very end of that poem, David White poem. What's the name of that poem? Um, what to remember when waking, read the whole thing. I think I've probably mentioned it before in previous podcasts. Here's the final few lines of that poem. What shape waits in the seed of you? What shape waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? What shape waits in the seed of you? to grow and spread its branches against a future sky. (laughs) Can you hear my whining puppy? Is it waiting in the fertile sea, in the trees beyond the house, in the open and lovely white page on the writing desk? This poem uh, ends with a question. Is Is it waiting in the open and lovely white page on the writing desk? And that's what the turning over the year is like. It's like a, a white page. And um, 
as if something is yet to be born. And he's asking something larger, what's waiting in the shape of you that wants to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? And how do you listen to that, the intelligence of that shape, something like that? And I might have to let my puppy outside in a second. Um, okay, let me take a pause. I think I'd like to add at this point just a few thoughts about the kind of two-sided feeling I have around this time of year and around this year in particular where, you know, I almost, maybe it's true for you, I don't remember another year where people used the name of the year so regularly. Like, it's 2020. Can you believe what 2020 has, you know, brought us? Thank God 2020 is over this sort of thing. So much emphasis. And, and I, I mean, for good reason. It, there's a kind of a, a global collective um, consciousness of what is happening with the pandemic and sort of the, the spiraling um, sort of consequences of the global uh, situation we find ourselves in. And also, of course, if you're listening from the States, and even if you're not, <laughs> um, which many of my listeners, by the way, aren't from the States, so hi, uh, I'm sure you've heard that we've been in an, in an election year that has um, taken up a lot of air waves and seems to be never ending. Here, here I am in January 2021, and, and things still don't feel settled. So, um, so the two-sided feeling I have is something like this. On the one hand, viruses don't keep time. They're not aware. Nature is not following a Western clock. And that seems to be true. And, and even the unfolding of the seasons, the turning over of the year, the darkest night of the year, just letting go into the beginning of the return of the light. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying saying these things and also having a, a puppy, a living, breathing being, whining. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta let her out. As I'm uh, sitting here making this podcast in my garage, I'm looking out the window at the blanket of snow, which is kind of uh, new here in Michigan. We had a very slow start to the winter. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an image and a metaphor that it's not even a metaphor. It's, it's the way things are in this part of the world. And there's a sleepiness and a, and a quietness and um, a darkness and a waiting that's happening this time of year. That's partially why I wanted to make a series of Advent, uh, Advent podcasts. Uh, the approaching of the turning of the light um, and the return of, um, of, of the sun and the eventual spring, something like that. And my, my point is that nature doesn't keep time like we do. Nature is not like, oh my God, it's 2020. It's just doing its thing. Yet at the same time, there's another side of my sort of feeling and my thought that is that suggests something like this. Hey, 
put you in that. <laughs> um, it suggests something like this, that um, human beings, part of being a human being has been to orient ourselves to the cycles and seasons by naming them, by calling them by something, by marking the seasons. One of the, the coolest um, pieces of archaeology found in Israel, in my view, is something called the Gezer calendar. And it's, it's, um, it's a calendar, and it's kind of crudely uh, written on, but it just sort of marks the seasons. And it's, it appears to be a kind of writing exercise, as if someone was learning to, to write, a scribe, and was just practicing with the seasons. And what I love about it is that, that human beings, as far back as we can, as we can glimpse, have tried to, to say this part of the year and not this part of the year by marking it, by following the, the, the signs of the stars and the um, grain and wheat fields and um, orienting their lives and orienting meaning around the unfolding of the seasons. It, w- it was a way of surrendering in a way to the mystery of life that I am here at the complete dependence of the earth community, you could say. That's what a calendar is supposed to do. I am here with complete dependence on the earth community, and I'm going to turn toward it with a kind of sacredness. And that ought not to be let go of, at least in, in my view, even with our scientific knowledge and our data and our and our what appears to be way around the cycles and seasons where I can get tomatoes, you know, in, in the middle of winter in the grocery store, but it's kind of an end around. We know it, there's a kind of facade happening with that. There's a kind of, um, there's, it's, it doesn't appear to be all that sustainable, or we could say more directly, it comes with a cost. So the two-sided feeling is (laughs) nature doesn't care that it's 2020. And yet that's part of being human. We, we turn attention to the seasons and the times. So maybe my, my point is right now, let's say 2020 is over. It is. We've made it through this particular year. And with it has, be, has come loss and grief and some suffering and some new opportunities and um, some challenges and I think, collectively, a whisper, an invitation to look, to look carefully, to look within and without. But maybe my bias is to begin within, to do a searching spiritual inventory. What are my values? How am I living? What have I um, blindly relied upon and brought very little consciousness to? What really matters? What do I think really matters? Who really matters? These kinds of things. And, um, and I, you know, I could exaggerate, and I don't think I'm out of, out of hand here by saying if individually, and I think that's the place to start, and, and also collectively, if we do not take a careful look at how we are living and what are our values and... Um, and what is a more generous and generative way of being in the world than then the possibility for increased suffering um, goes up. 
and maybe that you know goes without saying, but sometimes I think it's worth saying. Uh, this is a chance to to look and to make some changes, and I have a particular um, maybe bias is is the right word that the place to start is on the individual level, and I'm not against collective change, but I think um, a lot of structural changes that oftentimes happen in language only. We're going to create language that makes it appear that structural things are changing. Um, or we might change laws, which I'm not against. Laws, laws have real consequences. Um, is often put out ahead of any kind of individual work. And, and we know that you can change the structure all you want if the individual is not transformed, um, uh, then there's no change at all. And it, it slides back to the, to the consciousness of the individual. And, um, you know, you might argue with me and say, well, both are needed. And I'll say, okay, fine. Well, where, where can you start? <laughs> and I would like to suggest the non-negotiable place to start, if you want to be on a spiritual path, is with a searching spiritual inventory, is to look within. And, um, and so, I don't know, what I want to do is kind of offer a framework here for how to do a searching spiritual inventory. And not that I'm exactly trying to be prescriptive. I think, like I said at the beginning, um, how would you do it? And then go about doing it. I think that's uh, <laughs> equally valuable. But for me, at least, a kind of um, real simple framework I find helpful. So I want to talk about a searching spiritual inventory through the body, the mind, the spirit, and the soul. And I'll, I'll define a little bit what I mean by these things, but I, I kind of want to leave them a little ambiguous. Body, mind, spirit, and soul. Um, I think the reason why I like these kind of uh, categories is that it keeps the question of um, an inventory, at least in my mind, in the spiritual, uh, a searching spiritual inventory. It's not just an inventory of um, sort of tasks. It's know thyself on a, on a deeper level as best we can, you know, uh, carved across the lintel of um, the Oracle at Delphi, which is an amazing place. I've, I've been to in Greece, um, was, the, was the invitation to know thyself. I mean, this is some pretty old and ancient wisdom. And um, easier said than done, right? <laughs> what part of me? <laughs> um, as we know from depth psychology, there's a whole village down there. Persona and ego and shadow and complexes and and um, even deeper ruminations of soul and mystery. So, um, yeah, it's a lifetime task to know thyself, but it requires a kind of attention, the same kind of attention you would give to a serious relationship like a marriage or a partnership, that kind of attention toward knowing thyself. We often give more attention toward, um, you know, toward the significant other than we ever give toward knowing knowing thyself. So it's a challenge, and I think this time of year is, is as good as any. And I think the nature itself might be inviting us as we go into a kind of hibernation to 
enter into the searching spiritual inventory. So I'm not really talking about resets or life advice or goal setting or productivity, all of those things you might need help with. I mean, I'm by no means am I against them. In fact, I often need some help with productivity and goal setting. I'm not above that, believe me. Um, So that might be someone else's uh, podcast you might want to listen to. Um, I'm trying to get at the um, some other dimensions, equally important. So, um, and maybe there's always a little bit of bleed over <laughs> toward regular ego affairs and and affairs of the heart, um, you could say. So, um, as a as a as a reminder question, as we get into these sort of categories, what shape waits in the seed of you? What shape waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? What part of you, um, what depths, what longings, what possibilities in 2021 are waiting (laughs) to grow into a future sky that you can only at this point Uh, imagine. So um, let's talk a bit about about body. And and the question I'd like to ask, maybe at the beginning of of each of these, is, is kind of straightforward. What is my relationship like with my own body? I think in some ways that's a better question than, um, am I hitting my weight goals or How's my fitness level or, or what's my diet like? All of those I think are important, but what's my relationship like with my body? And is it an adversarial one? Is it uh, a complementary one? Is it um, an unconscious one? What's my relationship like with my, with my body? And, and I mean body like not only in my sort of physicality and if 2020 has... Um, suggested anything, it's like, it's saying kind of directly, what is, what is your relationship like with your own health? And what are you doing to protect your health or to invest in a a more healthy future? I think I, you know, I don't want to be overly critical because it's a year of so much criticism, I suppose. But there was a certain measure of irony where, um, you know, fast food restaurants were considered essential essential businesses, places that we know are killing us with heart disease and diabetes and um, uh, just basic blood sugar, sugar levels and, and chemicals and toxins, and, uh, but they're easy, right? And so, we God, we got to keep those open because we don't want to have to change how we're living. Um, so those get deemed essential where gyms were shut down, you know, it's like, and I understand why, and I don't want to, you know, get into the scientific debates about what makes a gym an unhealthy place, um, with a virus, but you, you get the irony and, um, and it kind of reveals what we value as Western Americans in kind of a, in a humbling way. So, um, what is my relationship like with, with my own body, and let's ex- expand that out because I mean also emotionally. Emotions are housed in the body, and and traumas, big and small, are housed in the body. And what is my relationship like with with my own emotional life? Where do I carry my emotions? 
you know, there's been a lot of a fear, anxiety in the waters here. And it's an interesting question. Where do I carry my own? If you right away, you say, well, I don't have any fears and anxieties. You know, you might want to get curious about that. You might want to get curious about the ways in which you very cleverly have moved those around somewhere. And they might be coming out um, in a certain place in the body, you know. And um, yeah, so um, the question, question is something like, where might I be feeling something? Where do I feel something? These are, these are complex and they're nuanced and they're subtle and they're private. And, um, you know, I've, I've felt for some time, I'm about to say something mega obvious, but I'll, I'm going to say it anyway. Social media is not good for spiritual growth. And I hope you'll share this podcast on your social media feeds. <laughs> Social media is not good for spiritual growth, spiritual development. It's actually not very good for searching spiritual inventory, um, especially if we take spiritual stuff and, and post about it. So <laughs> um, I want to make sure everybody knows how I'm feeling and where I'm feeling it um, and how I'm carrying my traumas and, and griefs and longings and desires. I don't think... Um, that's like casting your pearls before swine. So the kind of thing I'm suggesting here um, is a bit of a private, uh, you know, maybe one or two people in your life or a spiritual director or something like that is a good person to help uh, carry the load here. But just to be simple again, what is my relationship like with my own body? And um, here's something I found out about my own anxiety this year, just so I, I can be uh, personal here. Um, because if you knew me only on the surface level, you might think to yourself, um, he doesn't seem like a very anxious person. He kind of goes with the flow. or, um, But you know, that's just part of my own facade. And and one thing I've noticed has been become kind of a joke in, just in my own family is that um, when I'm feeling anxious, I speed up which is just like, it's a funny concept, but I'm 40 something years old and it's the first time that it's ever dawned on me. And it's big this year because of the anxiety. So what I mean is whatever task I'm doing, I'm doing it as fast as possible. You can pretty much guarantee if I'm unloading the dishwasher as fast as possible, if I'm shoveling as fast as possible, if I'm, um, cleaning out the garden as fast as possible. If I'm whatever, it's because I have some anxiety that I don't want to surface. And I think just by mad action, I'll not have to feel it. So this has been a huge revelation. And in, in, in a sense, I wouldn't say it's changed my life, but it certainly changed my relationship to how I'm carrying things. And it's like something real subtle happens. It's like, wait a minute, I'm going fast right now. <laughs> what is happening? You know, what is happening? And, um, you know, I actually just as a bit of a challenge, you might want to ask, how do I carry my anxiety? Because you have it. If you're human and you're alive, you have anxiety. And how do you carry it? That's largely a body oriented question. Um, and I can even sink even further into that 
like not even in the task of speeding up, where do I feel the tension? It's, I won't tell you, but I mean, it's like, I, I, I'm just beginning to gain some consciousness around this. And is that the way I want to enter 2021? Um, that kind of thing. So just a bit on body here. Um, and what about mind? So body, mind, spirit, and soul is where I'm going with this little rubric, little invitation. Um, so mind, yeah, what do I mean by mind here? I mean my thought, my thought patterns. Um, there's an exercise I got from James Finley, like, um, I won't go into all of it, but two things he su- suggests is, what have I been feeling today? <laughs> that's, that's actually hard. And here's another one, what have I been thinking? Am I aware of my thought patterns? It's one thing to practice meditation. Uh, meditation can be a way of, of not being so addicted to your thought patterns, but sometimes you can meditate and not know what those repetitive thought patterns are. What am I thinking? What have I been thinking? And, and another question along those lines is, why have I been thinking these things? What is it that's unresolved? Maybe what's needed is not the letting go of thinking, but actually some real, concrete, um, intense, focused, mind-oriented thought around something. That's often what, what we're not willing to do. It's like we get caught in the repetitive thinking loop, but we're not following it all the way through. I'll give you a really stupid example. And um, I've had something like 40 cars in my life, and that's a lot considering I'm 40-something years old, 44 years old. And um, I haven't been driving for all of those 40 years. So that's a lot of cars. And so you could say, oh, I have a problem. You know, well, kind of, yeah. I'm always swapping out, you know. And when I get in the loop, I can't get out of it. It's like, you know, now it's Facebook Marketplace, but, you know, before it was Craigslist and before it was that, it was classified ads of various kinds and, you know, or parking lights that I knew had used cars. You know, this kind of thing, like, I think that part of the obsession was was upgrading and part of it was style and persona and I want a cooler car. and But the thought pattern, it just, you get in the loop, like, well, what can I get rid of and what can I afford and how many miles are on it and and what's the insurance going to be and around and around and around and around and never really to the point of what is it that I value? Okay, I need a way to get around. I live in America. I live in the Western world where cars, for the most part, are pretty much a necessity. And what do I need? Why do I need it? Why am I pursuing this? I mean, really challenging thought. So 2021, what have I been ruminating on? What's been going around and around and around in my own loops? And maybe actually what's needed is some concentrated thought here. Um, like one of the things that I found helpful, this is a little bit in the, in the realm of... Um, I don't know, productivity, uh, productivity, I don't know what you call it, <laughs> uh, advice. Uh, I'm probably the wrong person to come to for productivity advice, so I go to other people. But one of the things that I, I found helpful this year that I started doing was uh, a mind dump. And um, I think this was, it was ratcheted up a bit with just kind of the low-level anxiety in our culture, not knowing what's going to come. And a lot of my own personal income comes from Israel trips and retreats and side gigs and teaching and um, that kind of stuff. And, and you know, for the most part, that dried up, other than my regular C3 gig. But I did, wasn't doing traveling. Uh, 
Um, Israel was shut down. Um, I couldn't do outdoor retreats. Um, so, you know, kind of this low level anxiety. So not to mention, I live in a house that was built in 1850 and, and I have had a garage project where I've been trying to turn a uh, stall of my garage into a usable space for office and guests and things like that. Um, but all this stuff was just kind of floating around. And then again, with my spazzing, it's just like, you know, doing things as fast as possible. So I started doing these mind dumps. I don't know where I first heard this suggestion. It could have even been from uh, my wife, I think, was the first person to suggest it. And I would write out absolutely everything. And once I got going, it was like I just unlocked the floodgates. And I mean everything from um, from I need to turn the water off in the garage before we have cold nights in in the 20s or um, out to the garden. I need to uh, chop wood to get my stack high enough for the winter. Um, I need to put that light switch cover on that's in my daughter's bedroom that she keeps asking about for the last two months. Um, everything, just list everything out, just get it out onto a piece of paper. And this alone, without even coming up with like, well, how am I going to tackle any of these has been really sort of life-giving to me. Just seeing what's occupying my mind. Um, and the other side of that, I, I just started making daily schedules, you know, um, what am I going to do today? And how am I going to keep that straight? It's, it's great because if I do it, when I do it, here's my list for the day. I know at the end of the day if I was had some success or not. Well, I did five of these things. There were seven on there. I could have done all seven, didn't succeed, but at least I knew what they were. You know, This is what I mean by mind. Um, bringing a kind of consciousness and clarity to the things that are rumbling around in there by finding concrete ways of looking at it. And I think... You know, I'm not against meditation. I'm going to come to that in a second. Um, but spiritual bypassing, I made a podcast on it before, is a real thing. Going around your problems, going around things that actually need your careful thought, your careful attention, or going around really concrete um, possibilities of diet and exercise and by getting into the spiritual, by reading, by uh, contemplation, by meditation, going around the issues. So that's why I like to start with the body and the mind. Um, so yeah, just to continue with the rubric here, um, spirit. And what do I mean by spirit? I, I mean my relationship with God, with the, the big mystery. And here you can fill in the blank. You know, oftentimes when, when I hear people say, well, I don't, I don't believe in God or I don't believe in a, in a, in a, in a literal being, um, the very next question is then what what do you believe? What do you call the mystery? And maybe you don't need a name, but more important, just like the the other questions, what is my relationship like with the mystery, with the spirit? What is my relationship like with my own body? What is my relationship like with my own mind? What is my relationship like with the spirit? Mystery, bigness, oneness, union, divine. And here we can start adding things like, what is my relationship like with prayer? What is my relationship like with meditation? What the, the ways in which I feel connected to the divine, like wandering around in, in nature for me, um, like a meditation practice, which I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I tried to start one this year. I've had a kind of on and off relationship with 
with meditation, but I got Sam Harris's app and it helps. It helps a little bit. Um, I, I can't say it's a regular part of my routine, but okay, a daily practice of uh, sinking into the present. Where else is the mystery than in the present? So what is my relationship like with spirit and or God as I might define God or the divine as I might um I was going to say define the divine, but as if that that's possible. So um, theology aside, what is my relationship like with spirit? Do I want a relationship with, with mystery? And um, I do. So what have I been doing this past year in 2020 that's toward that end? Do I have a prayer life? Do I have a, a, a prayer practice? Um, and and even for me, the things that have kind of surprised me this year is how much I've been drawn back to the Bible. And um, I'm writing a new book, and I don't know when it will be out because I haven't I haven't pursued that. I haven't um, gone down the publishing route um, yet. I wanted to see if what was beginning to emerge, what the muse was beginning to whisper, was worth it <laughs> uh, instead of trying to get ahead of myself. So I've kind of been patient um, in writing and writing slowly and um, now a little more consistently. And something is beginning to take shape. And um, and I'm surprised how much of the biblical tradition is infused in, in this book, which is personal and also about just the nature of transformation. So um, just something I'm noticing, like, okay, one of the ways in which I'm connected to spirit, to God, is through my own tradition in a surprising way. It's like, as soon as I said, well, I don't have to play the game of orthodoxy, the more uh, interesting and compelling and relevant and pressing and surprising and mysterious and deeply symbolic many of these stories became for me. It's like they were already in there anyway, in the collective psyche and in my own personal psyche, and and they, but they were like uh, rooms that I thought were locked, and it turns out they were open this whole time. And in any case, um, also just the the kind of wisdom of the calendar itself, and I mean the calendar that the Earth has given us, but I also mean the Christian calendar. And the times and seasons and ways to live in more sacred harmony with the mystery. There's something to it, like Advent and Easter and Equinox and, and um, you know, you start going around the year in your mind. So anyway, these are, these are ways that I found uh, personally uh, connecting to the larger uh, mystery, the divine mystery. And now it brings me to soul, which is, the area that I'm most interested in, you know, with, um, you know, my companion guiding that I offer and is really uh, a soul oriented, um, kind of thing. And the program that I'm in at Animus Valley Institute, the guide training program, that's what we're interested in. We're interested in conversations of the soul. And we mean, um, something like one's wild, unique essence, um, the truth at the center of the image you were born with, uh, what Merton might call the true self or, um, the abyss out of which my life dimly emanates, to quote from um, Meister Eckhart. So uh, the mystery of my own wild uniqueness. And, and so again, the question is, what is my relationship like with soul? 
if spirit is is metaphorically maybe and, and actually I've, I'm coming to think they're really not all that separate the the relationship with spirit and soul might just be the same kind of relationship just with different nuances but what is my relationship like with spirit um, with the inner journey for me that's through uh, dreams and an act of imagination and wanders and um, and uh, reading certain kinds of Poets and mystics sort of suck me down into the underworld. What is my relationship like with the underworld? Um, am I listening to those mysterious offerings that come up out of the deep self like smoke signals? Am I reading the smoke signals of the deep self that are beneath my everyday ego ego uh, consciousness and beneath my persona that I'm putting out there in the world on social media and this kind of crap? Um, yeah, what is my relationship like with soul. And, you know, I've had some interesting dreams this year, and I'm not going to share them uh, right this minute. But um, dream life for me is has really uh, helped keep me connected to that conversation. And you might find your own ways, you might ask yourself, well, even if I don't even, you know, quite know what I mean by soul, are there things that keep me connected? And what are those things and how committed to them am I? Am I committed to, to these ways? Because everything else in our culture is going to take us away from soul. It's going to take us away from spirit. It's probably going to take us away from mind and body by offering up whatever uh, the culture says is urgent and important. So it's really important to be aware of that and to do the hard work of the inventory and to say, how can I stay in the deep conversation, in deep relationship with myself as best as I can understand, self with a capital S, perhaps. And I'm just using the traditional categories of body, mind, spirit, and soul. And others might occur to you, and and that might be important to listen to. Well, I might add a category here, or I don't quite connect with one, but I might substitute it with something else. And and after all, only you can do a searching uh, spiritual inventory. So um, maybe with that, uh, I'll, I'll again close with uh, the opening lines from, from David White here in a second. Um, I probably should have put this at the beginning of the podcast, but I was distracted by my dog and I just wanted to get into it. So uh, a couple things going on that you might be interested in. I'm offering a Lent Descent, which I did last year. It's an online Zoom class. It's cheap. It's 200 bucks, And uh, $100 to any of my uh, Patreon supporters, so they get half off. It's uh, six weeks, starting just after uh, Ash Wednesday. But every Sunday, we're going to meet. And it'll be half teaching and half group sharing, uh, two-hour meetings. And they are really, it's really rewarding. That's how I found um, uh, last year's Lent Descent and other online courses. It's surprisingly intimate for the Zoom setting, and it's a great way to to um, stay connected to the conversation around soul. And um, I call it Lent Descent because, in part, it fits the Lent season, 40 days and 40 nights, um, which mirrors the wilderness Uh, wandering of Jesus and 40 days and 40 nights of the flood and 40 days and 40 nights of Elijah in the wilderness and 40 days and, you know, 40 period. And um, the invitation is to descend 
And I, I like to use the Jonah story as a kind of backdrop, which is also the backdrop of my the book I'm working on. So um, if you took it last year, I'm going to use roughly the same framework, but of course there'll be some new material and, and because it's a class with real live human beings, um, whatever unfolds will be wildly unique in the group field. So um, if that interests you, I'm trying to offer a, kind of an affordable online class. Uh, so please um, go to my website. It's right on the homepage. Fill out the form and get signed up. Space is limited. And since I mentioned my Patreon supporters, big, big, huge thanks. I got a, a few more Patreon supporters this past month. So I'm really, really, really grateful. Thank you. And thank you for weighing in with your thoughts and questions and comments. It actually helped inspire this podcast, a couple of you, um, um, wondering what I meant by um, searching spiritual inventory. So um, thanks for that. So if you want to become a Patreon supporter, patreon.com forward slash Kent Dobson is always available to you. You can also find that link on my website, KentDobson.com. And I think that's uh, it by way of advertising. I should probably look. Um, oh, I know. I haven't done this yet, but I'm going to. Um, I put out an audio book in the fall called A Grain of Wheat, The Christ Symbol. It's free to my Patreon supporters, everyone else, 10 bucks. I'm going to do a little sale for January, if, I can, if the site will let me. I'm going to do a sale in January uh, and February, just $5. So it's six and a half hours of uh, content of teaching around Christ as symbol. So check that out. If I can lower the price, I will. If you go on there and it's still $10 because I couldn't figure out how to do it or it wouldn't let me. But that's my hope to offer as kind of sale price. I should have checked that out before pitching it. Um, and I think that's as far as I want to go today. So let me just end again with a few lines from David White's poem, What to Remember. When waking, you are not a troubled guest on this earth. You are not a troubled guest on this earth. You're not an accident amidst other accidents. What shape waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? Is it waiting in the fertile sea, in the trees beyond the house, in the open and lovely white page on the writing desk? <laughs>